Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I am your host, Amanda White. You can find me on Twitter at AWhite7877. I am joined, as always, by Nick and Rora. I'm on Twitter at DC Natchak and follow the show at Half Street High Heat. We are doing this for the DMV Sports Network. You can find them at dmvsportsnetwork.com or on Twitter at DMV underscore SN. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Um, it was quite a wild week in Nash baseball. <laughs> yeah, Ron, you want to take us through? <laughs> yeah, so after shocking the world and winning two games in the opening series, order is finally restored to the universe, and the Marlins drop 5 of 6 to the Mets and Braves. The Marlins are 3 and 7, and they will never be above 500 again. After the rest of their franchise. By... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never is a long time, but maybe not this year. Oh, uh, never. Uh, after getting swept by the Phillies, Braves turned to the magic that is Tiger Woods, and behind his magic powers, they win 5-6, and Braves' Twitter goes viral. Meanwhile, they cyber-bully the Marlins' Twitter account so much that they deleted the final score of a game because they had 1,300 replies from Braves fans. <laughs> Braves. I didn't catch that. That's fantastic. Yeah, incredible meme. Braves are 5-4. and four. The Mets exist, and Jacob Grom is the best player not named Mike Trout. Uh, Mickey Calloway says he wasn't concerned about the Nats scoring because he knew the Nats had to go to the bullpen at some point. Nats oh. are six and three. God. Damn. Yeah, it took a week for that one. Um, Bryce, <laughs> That's Bryce, harsh but fair, Mickey Calloway. <laughs> Bryce Harper returns to National Park, strikes out, and puts the final nail in the coffin of the Nationals franchise as he has a top five disrespectful bat flip of all time. <laughs> Does a weird double fist pump shimmy thing in front of the Philly faithful who came down. And they split with the Nats and make work of the Twins, improving to 6-2 and two on the season. Nationals' bullpen plays their own game called Watch Me Blow This Lead in the Best Way I Can, while Trevor Rosenthal says, Hold my beer, I'm not going to get anyone out. And, <laughs> and it's actually ma- impressive at this point. I mean, he's, What's he's that, five history. appearances? Uh, only four. Nine uh, batters, four appearances. It first. feels like so many more. It feels like so much. I'm almost re- like rooting for it at this point. Like I just never wanted oh, to get man, him out again. I gotta tell you, I'm. I it's sad. I, you know, Trevor Rosenthal seems like a decent guy. You hate. I hate to see anybody struggle like that. I I feel like it's almost hard to watch. Like you're like, oh man, they're bringing Rosenthal in. I feel like I should turn it off for a few minutes. I don't want to embarrass him. <laughs> so I, I I need to ask the question: How long before we release him, and then he joins another team and just dominates? <laughs> He's going. <laughs> He's on, the, he's on the Trident train. That's what's going on. He's 100% joining another team, and he's going to dominate. I'm calling it right now. So I don't really understand fully, and I was hoping to get a time to research this more before we record it. So sorry about that, listeners, for my uh, slacking. But if we 
just, I mean, can we send him down? I don't know how his contract works. So if he agrees to be sent down, can we send him down? If he agrees being sent down, I believe so. But with his contract, they can't. They either have to just straight up DFA him or do like a conditional release. And he will clear, clear waivers because no one's going to take I him. Know. I don't think anybody's going to be clamoring to sign him off waivers. No, right and now. then you just eat the $7 million, which I would do at this point because God almighty, he is a disaster. I would, I, if he would accept an assignment to, to Fresno, I would send him down or even Harrisburg. He needs to, it seems like he can still throw, but his command is just gone. And it wasn't even gone like that in spring training. So if it's mental and he can get it mentally back together, it might be worth giving him a shot in the minors. But he, this Trevor Rosenthal getting his crap together at the major league level experiment needs to be over after today's game. Yeah, it's, <laughs> he came in, he uh, hit the first guy. And then he had two wild pitches, walked that guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, he threw eight pitches. And I think he threw maybe one strike. Like, it doesn't matter if you throw 100. You have right. no idea where it's going. Hasn't anyone seen Major League? Maybe he just <laughs> needs glasses. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he's – he had just – I've never seen a case of the yips like this. No, oh, like, it's incredible. really extraordinary he, Yeah, it, it's kind of, like, fascinating in, like, a train wreck kind of way. Yeah. Like, and I hate it for the guy. Yeah, I don't like to see anybody uh, especially like if. That. Especially he's on my team. I don't want to see it. Not on, not on my team. On another team, sure. I saw but somebody like, on Twitter said something funny. They said, it's hard to see, but I think Trevor Rosenthal's up in the bullpen. And somebody replied and said, I think you meant to say hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we not are, wrong. We are seeing progress because this was the first time someone he led on didn't score. So, yeah, and can we give Wander Suero a few props right now for getting out of that mess? And... Yeah, Trevor Rosenthal was shook when he struck someone out. He was like, you can oh. do that? <laughs> yeah, he was like, I don't even know. Is that how this works? Yeah, it's just crazy. They're like, okay, he was, he was pitching in high leverage situations, so let's put him in with like a huge lead, and then boom. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. They should have put him in when it was 12-1. Sitting Max back out there was stupid, especially when he took a line drive to the calf. Davey's an idiot. Yeah, and then Max is like, "Yeah, my leg, my leg was pretty tight after that." Yeah, he, yeah. he's well. Well, Max had an RBI single, so I, I think I, I should have sent him back out there. Yeah, I don't. That's know my about Davey impression. That was, it was. I couldn't even tell. I thought he was here for a minute. I know. It's weird. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Right. That that was our surprise interview that I was alluding to. <laughs> All right. So that was our week in recap. Um, what did you guys think about the Phillies series aside so, from all the Bryce stuff? Well, we got to talk about the Bryce yeah. stuff. I know you I don't, don't want, want to, to. but we, <laughs> we, have we have to. to. I'm we outing. To. So I, I give Nats fans a lot of crap. I think this fan base sucks. I think it's incredibly <laughs> soft. And I have heard. Wait, 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 wait. How do you really feel? <laughs> Please don't like, sugarcoat I, it for us, Nick. We're here for your real opinions. No, hey, that was Ryan. That was oh, me. Oh God, she doesn't even know who we are. Oh, uh, oh whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, well, so in this, my defense, I'm driving while we're recording, so yeah. I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, so this fan base sucks. I can count on one hand all the I've heard of all the Let's Go Nats chants, and I've lost count of all the opposing team chants. And, like, we've heard it from national media, coaches, players, Yeah, they do owners. give Nats fans a lot of crap. This was the first time I've ever felt any type of energy in any regular season game. It was rowdy. I was there, and it was rowdy. I've it never was, seen Nats Park like that. It was, it was fun. It was almost felt like you, you – know, when you go to New York, it was like a I New know. York rowdy crowd. And, like, I don't, I don't really think he deserved to get that type of reception, but I loved it. Like, 
they were chanting not the father at him and like i can't even repeat <laughs> some of the other stuff that people yeah, were saying some of it was pretty rough but oh my god that was hilarious and then everyone left and then it just turned into a huge embarrassment <laughs> yeah it was uh it was a huge embarrassment by the end but i have to say that first strikeout was sublime it was so much fun to be there for that like i you know like you said the energy was just different i've been down there for playoff games and it's i don't think it's soft i wouldn't describe the nats fan base as soft it's very polite it's a very polite fan base that's a nice general. way of saying you're soft <laughs> that's a polite <laughs> way of saying you're soft <laughs> I disagree, but I will say this fan base doesn't have the uh, the venom that some fan bases do. And if you consider that kind of venom in favor of your team to be uh, what a fan base ought to do, then Nats fans handled themselves very well for about five innings. After yeah, that, the, not so much. For the first five innings, they finally showed that they actually cared about something. And all it took, all it took was Bryce going to the Phillies. And maybe this is a thing where DC fans just start to care more in general. Maybe it's a turning point. But I do know is that it pissed off Bryce, it pissed off his brother, and it pissed off his wife. Nats fans actually got the people. Yeah, well, it's hard to argue with any of that. So <laughs> other that, than Bryce. Well, hold on. I didn't say anything yet. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Jeez, I know you don't want to talk to him about him, but let me I'm let me tired of talking about out. Bryce. I seriously are. All right, go ahead. So in all seriousness, my thoughts on Bryce. I understand why people feel the way they do. I understand the booze. I'm always going to root for him. I think there was a lot that went into that um, with ownership and Boris and whatnot. So I have nothing against the guy. Obviously, he's a division rival. But for him as a player, I will never root against him. But mm-hmm. uh, to Ryan's point. So you're I, a Phillies fan now? That's what you're yes, saying? Yes, <laughs> 100%. Um, to Ryan's point, yes. I, I agree that the Nats fans aren't. Uh, as venomous as other fan bases, as you put it, Amanda. But, I mean, it was nice to see them rally around a common thing, and that being their now hatred for Bryce, whether it was misplaced or not. Um, So that was pretty cool to see. But then, again, it only lasted for four or five innings, and (laughs) then Bryce got the best of us and literally put the nail into the coffin on so much. But... Still, I, mean, I think if the point of Nats fans in that game was to make Bryce understand how they felt about the whole situation, they I think succeeded. message received. Yeah, I know. I, I think a lot and of it was just the birth like, of a it was very nice rivalry. <laughs> I, I think it was. Well, it, I won't dive into that yet. But I think it was a, a a lot of it had to do with like the popular thing to do was boo Bryce. Like everyone bought tickets for the return. And they wanted to boo him, and then, and then they, they, they they booed him for two innings or two at bats or whatever, and then they left. Like it was just a popular thing to do. Like I think if we get two, I mean, I, I saw somewhere I don't know if Ryan if you told me, but if he Bryce stays healthy for the like the duration of his contract, he's gonna play the Nets like over three hundred times. So yeah. I mean, that level of venom is not sustainable, right? Yeah, we're but not we're not gonna boo of... him this much for the rest of his career. So I think it was just a popular thing to do. Um, but I don't know. We're we're still a young fan base, so I as much as I like to uh, bag on him like Ryan does, I I'll give them the benefit of the doubt just because we're young and we haven't won anything yet. So. Yeah, but do you know, I feel like, did you watch them? I mean, I was in the car today listening to the game mostly. I didn't get to watch it. But, you know, I heard 
Charlie and Dave on the radio talking about how when it got to 12 to 2 or 12 to 1 that a lot of the Mets fans left. And you don't hear people bagging on Mets, the Mets fan base because people left in the middle of a blowout. Well, because you know Nats I mean? fans so obviously will leave in the middle of a playoff game. Return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's completely different. <laughs> we can blame. Metro gets a little bit of the blame for that. And also, not that it's an excuse, but it was freezing cold yeah, and raining at that game. And I think <laughs> if it had been a nice night, then people might have just stayed to hang out and see what happened. But I, I know a lot of people were probably going, I'm not sitting here in the cold, freezing yeah. rain to watch And, and Les was on the line. Like, there take wasn't a bow. as much on the line like today for the Mets versus Nats. Like, it was just your, your normal Sunday game. It was Wheeler pitching. Wheeler got lit up. Scherzer was dominating. Like there wasn't much excitement except for the like later on when there was a little bit of fireworks because they got to the Nats bullpen. Um, like the, it just it wasn't the same level as as Bryce's return. Like they they not like at all. Not at it was all. still it's, it's a, not a close perfect analogy, game certainly on that Tuesday. Like Scherzer only went five, but it was still a close game to that point. But Nats fans were already leaving. Like I understand there was a rain delay and whatnot, but like I mean it's if. Yeah, if there was that night. much hype to go to that game in the first place, like, I, I don't know. But overall, um, I yeah. think we didn't really learn much from the series just because I feel like the first game, everyone was really caught up in the emotions of it. Agreed. Nats players where Max was, Bryce was, so were the Phillies. And then the second game, you know, the Nats bullpen faltered everything. So I think now that's in Philly with the three-game series coming up, we'll see more. Yeah, I'm real excited to see how we actually yeah, match up. Yeah, so we'll we'll learn more from this and see what we have in store for the whole entire season with these two teams battling it out. Yeah, uh, but as a whole, I think I mean we kind of snuck away with the win in that that second game, uh, which was mm-hmm. a badly needed win uh, because the <laughs> yeah so, they're all yeah, badly the, needed. The right two now. things I have about that series and specifically that game, well, three things. One we'll talk about later. One. Uh, Trey Turner going down sucks. That's one. That's a thing we'll talk about later. Um, two, the Phillies bullpen is just as bad as ours, or maybe not as bad because they don't have Trevor Rosenthal. But no yeah, one's as bad actually, as ours. That's literally facts if you look at the stats. Oh but my God, the uh, stats are yes, incredible. it is. I, I don't. I'm but not speaking figures. That right now. in turn I makes me concerned that. that they're like, hey, we have a really good lineup. We have pretty good pitching staff. Let's go get Kimbrell and then just lock this thing down, like that. Mm-hmm. That that makes me very concerned. And it's, yeah, it's malpractice that yep. the Nats have not Agreed. gone out. And well, no, it's okay because Cody Glover is coming back eventually. We like. Remember the guys when Cody Glover in spring training was asked about the closers role, and he's like, "They don't need one. They have one in me, or whatever." And then he like he like blew up and then got hurt. <laughs> like, that, it, no, I did not see that. I think actually. that was like That's two hilarious. years ago. It was just a joke. But the third thing is the Phillies line is for real, and they're going to be a problem. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I think our dominant starting pitching can overcome the fact that their lineup is better if they can right. get the bullpen to be well, at least serviceable. <laughs> it, it is right now a flaming Opponents have fire. a 1-1 OPS against them this year. Yeah. <laughs> and they're batting 370 against them. Like, I mean, they're just teeing off on them. Uh, Bearclaw has so looked bad. better though, but I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll, well I, I'm not. It's a nowhere to go but yeah, up I'm not situation. Putting my chips in the Bearclaw pot just yet, so. Yeah, yeah. Rosenthal obviously has to go. Ross came in, and I was sort of hopeful, like maybe Ross can be a shot in the arm. And well, uh, no, he, if I don't know, the Mets are big. Like they're they're. 
boom bust lineup. Like they'll hit a lot of home runs, but then they'll just like do nothing. So. Yeah, but it wasn't just the home run. I mean, it wasn't just that pitch. You know, there was a lot that went before well, that. Well, he did not like have the, the he got thing. in at three a.m. Also, that yeah, that so and it's like yeah, how much is that play into? Yeah, and the Rosenthal thing. Like Rosenthal didn't pitch in the big leagues all last year. Neither did Joe Ross. So it's his first time back in the big leagues. Like Ryan said, he got back at three a.m. There's a lot of factors going into his performance today. Yeah, so I'm not going to take today to be the be all end all, but it definitely no. I, I love. No, it's hard. To I know love what Joe to Ross, so I, I'm hope he's the one I'm going to be like optimistic about. Before it was Trevor Gott, I had a, like abundance <laughs> of blind faith in Trevor Gott, and that burnt me. So now it's Joe Ross. Yeah, you uh, think you would learn? <laughs> I'm a Nats fan. I never learn. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> amen, brother. Twice, amen. Shame on. All right, strike so three. Let's, um... <laughs> So we actually have something um, special for you guys Big today. Big journalism. We did an interview. Oh, well, let's uh, let's talk first about our interview. Uh, Mr. Tom Saleo of District on Deck was kind enough to give us some of his time. And so I'm uh, going to let you guys give that a listen, and uh, then we'll talk about it. Welcome into Half Street High Heat. We have a very special guest, our first ever guest, Mr. Tom Saleo, contributor with District on Deck. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Appreciate you coming on. Like I said, you're our very first interview, so uh, you could take pride in that. Add that to your resume. <laughs> it's a, it's kind of it's kind of a big deal. It's an honor. <laughs> Thank you very much. So we we're just gonna come out firing. Got to ask you. So for those of our listeners who haven't seen you tweeted an article about how the Nats struck gold with Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how is, can you explain that? Yeah. Well, uh, I'm surprised old takes exposed. <laughs> well, coming, coming with the high heat right here at the beginning. Yeah, uh, to borrow yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a, uh, I live about 25 minutes from the uh, Nats spring training stadium in West Palm beach season ticket holder. That's and awesome. I was watching, I was watching Slight brag. Trevor Rose. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, I was watching Trevor Rosenthal all spring and, uh, Frankly, I thought he looked really good up until uh, maybe the last couple of outings. Um, yeah, like opening day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He hit 102 down here, and and he really looked good. And uh, he's come out unfortunately in the regular season and hasn't been able to throw a strike. But uh, I'm not ready to give up on him quite yet. Um, I know some fans are, but uh, you know the stuff is there. It's just he's got to get his command back, like he had in St. Louis. Yeah. Right. Do you? No, oh, sorry. Ahead, that was ahead. actually my first question for you, Tom. This is Amanda. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, what do you think is different? Why do you think it's changed? Why that he looked so good early in spring, and now it's? Do you think it's mental? Do you think there's anything physical going on? I, I think it's mental. Again, I'm I'm certainly not a scout, as uh, my article proves. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I do think it's mental. I also think you know we're looking at three brief outings in a very young regular season, which is why I'm not ready to give up on them yet. But, you know, these fireballer pitchers uh, controls usually their biggest problem. And we got to remember that uh, Rosenthal did not throw a pitch the entire regular season last year. So being thrust back into high leverage situations, that can't be easy for anyone. So let's see how it goes over the next couple of weeks before we, uh, 
the man that he sent back to Fresno. <laughs> I still can't get used to saying Fresno. I know. Oh, me neither. I know. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's just like a case of, all right, I'm back in the big leagues and he's got the jitters, the yips, or is it something more injury related? If I had to guess, it would be the former. Uh, I haven't seen any signs of injury, certainly not down here in spring training. And I believe the velocity's been up in all of his outings. So uh, I, I haven't seen anything physical. I think it's a control thing. And like we said, getting back into those regular season games against some really good hitters. I mean, let's be honest. The right. Mets and Phillies have good lineups. So Yes. Speaking right. of the Phillies, that moves on to my question. Uh, it was a pretty much a week. And one of your tweets really stuck out to me. Um, you said Bryce Harper leaving undoubtedly hurt, but the firing of Dusty Baker, who won 192 games and two NL East titles in two seasons, might prove even more damaging to the Nats. So I want to ask you about that. Do you think this team would be better if they still had Dusty and never hired Davey? Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. Um, I know that uh, uh, some other writers and, and fans uh, – you know, of course, everyone's entitled to their opinion and disagree. But last spring training, right off the bat, and again, I'm no expert by any means, but right off the bat, there was something different with this team. Uh, you know, I think Davey Martinez himself has acknowledged that the 2018 spring training, there were a lot of mistakes made, uh, not emphasizing fundamentals, letting certain veterans uh, take way too many days off. And then of course the infamous uh, camel stunt, but uh, I think, you know, there, it was a better spring training this year. And again, I went to 14 games, saw it up close and uh, you know, I gave Davey a lot of credit. I thought the team was a lot better prepared leaving Florida this year. But when you look at some of the in game decision-making uh, the failure to bunt in many cases, look at all the different times we've had runners on, first and second or first and third with no out yep. and we don't score. That's the main thing for me. But on the positive side in the Mets game on uh, losing my days here Thursday, uh, he, he did lay down a bunt with runners on second and third to make sure we got that run in. I believe it was Defoe right. who bunted. And that's what I think he needs to do more of. And uh, look, I mean, the results speak for themselves. Dusty won 192 games in two years, back-to-back NL East titles. Yes, we lost both playoff series, but a five-game series in baseball is a crapshoot. I mean, ask any team about that. Ask the Atlanta Braves, who went to the postseason 14 years in a row and only won the World Series one time with three Hall of Famers in their rotation. So you just never know, and I don't think he deserved to be fired just because of essentially two games. Right. So with, we've talked about dusty on, on the podcast before um, the big thing that stood out to me personally, and I'm sure I know Ryan agrees is the decision for dusty to start worse. Yeah. That's how one much, of my big how much, things with dusty. Yeah. <laughs> how much of that decision, that being his final run with the Nats, obviously for both worth and dusty, how much of that decision played into the, the decision not to bring him back well it's funny when you brought up worth you reminded me of something uh bob henley i uh probably did more to lose us the and he's still here <laughs> yeah, amazing he's the only coach who's lasting worth yeah, <laughs> costing us a huge run in that game and like amanda said he still has a job so 
listen, Jason Worth was the heart and soul of those Nats teams. You know, I was at the 2012 game five, which was or game four, and I was at game five, which was awful. But the four <laughs> was the most Thoughts and prayers. moment in that history. <laughs> yeah, 24 hours before the worst. Game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I can't kill him for that. I do agree that, you know, he should have sat some of those key playoff games. And, and you have a valid point there. But if you add up all the different mistakes Davey Martinez has made in this one plus year Mm -hmm. and you go to Dusty Baker starting Jason Worth in a few games, I'm not sure that that outweighs uh, what Davey's done. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Dusty definitely with some of the, some of the management decisions, especially the choices of starters in the playoffs is definitely something that bothered me. And some of his bullpen management stuff was hard to take, but he also largely had terrible bullpens in the first half, at least of both seasons he was here. So it, it's hard, you know, what do you do when you've only got a few guys who can pitch is you make a pitch. So, right. you know, but right. I, I think that I don't think they should have fired him. And I think that I think that hiring Martinez was a mistake. And I think they knew it after last year and they just aren't willing to admit it. I agree. I mean, Mm -hmm. right. And if I could just say one quick thing, we are where we are right now. And I don't I'm not calling for Martinez to be fired if they lose today's game or whatever. I do think at the end of the month, if we are below 500 or if we're still and or if we're still seeing some of these fundamental signs of him not learning the lessons from last year, then I absolutely think he should be on the hot seat. Personally, I would have, I would have let him go after last season, but they didn't. And we are where we are. You know, you don't fire the guy after five or six games, but uh, certainly I think the end of April, if this team isn't over 500, then the calls are going to get a lot louder. I agree with that. You mentioned talking about how Davey put an emphasis on the little things in spring training, but so far through six games, this team is making stupid mistakes left and right and a lot of fundamental issues. Why do you think that is? Do you think just Davey's not a good coach, or do you think that's just something about the players or how Davey goes about things that he can't get the point across that this team needs to do the fundamental stuff correctly? Right, and of course, you know, again, it's important to say that you can never blame a manager for – you know, all of these mistakes, the players certainly need to be accountable as well. But it again, going back to 2018 spring training, I remember interviews before the season. It may have even been in this press conference when he was introduced that Davey was saying, well, we're going to be a lot more aggressive on the bases. We're going to, we're going to take that extra base. Well, what has been the hallmark ever since not just the 2018 regular season, but spring training. Yeah. Horrible outs on the base pass. Yep. I'd say the worst of <laughs> yeah, they're the they're the, the most in baseball right now. Baseball. Yep, and how many different outs have we given away? You know, this year in these first six games. I mean, there's too many to count. Really, some of it is you know Victor Robles learning the ropes, and I, I completely understand that. We all need to be patient. The talent is obviously there uh, with Robles, but. You know, there's been many other situations where, uh, you know, we lost the key base runner that could have made a difference in the game. Look at uh, opening day, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, again, small sample size, but when you're seeing patterns from literally the entire tenure of Davey Martinez, I don't think that's a coincidence. And I, I think the 
be aggressive stuff on the bases has kind of blown up in his face yeah. uh, in a lot of respects. I think that's right. a good segue yeah. into the speaking of loss of important base runners is a question I have for you, Tom, which is what does the loss of Trey Turner mean for this team? I, I think it's going to be a huge issue going forward for the next couple months till we get him back. I, I couldn't agree more, Amanda. Uh, I, uh, I hate to say it, but this team – I'm not sure this team can get where we want it to go without Trey Turner, especially Mm -hmm. now without, you know, Bryce Harper's offense in the lineup. But, you know, there's few players in baseball who have the kind of tools that Trey Turner has. And you could see it this spring training and then certainly in the young regular season that he was really putting it all together. And, uh, to have that kind of loss to this offense where you're talking about the stolen bases and the, you know, the timely hitting, you know, look at the home run, mm-hmm. the big home run he hit. And, and I think it's really going to hurt this team big time. I also think that to take it a step further, if um, Brian Dozier doesn't start hitting and mm-hmm. if uh, Wilmer Def and or Wilmer Defoe fails to, do the job filling in. I do think, uh, you know, calling on Carter Keboom may be a necessity. I I think they should have done it already. I, I, you know, I don't know. Defoe to me is not an everyday option. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Do you think Keboom's ready for MLB baseball every single day? His offensively, I think he's a lot like Victor Mm -hmm. Robles, to be honest. I mean, offensively, down here in uh, Florida, he just lit it up. I'm sure you saw it. On Must have been fun to see that there. live, Tom. <laughs> uh, it was. I mean, he hit uh, two home runs off Justin Verlander. I mean, it was really amazing. There were actually four straight at bats where uh, he hit the ball to virtually the same spot. One was caught at the wall, and the other three went out. Um, but uh, yeah, offensively, he's electric, he's ready. There's no doubt about it. But uh, the defense definitely is a work in progress, Uh, particularly, and this is not all his fault, of course, particularly because they're trying to convert him into a second baseman. You know, the obvious uh, solution is once Dozier leaves, he's going to take over full time at second base and Turner will be at short. But But with Trey out right now, it might be the time to come up and let him be in his natural position. And I think he's a... You know, he's a clear upgrade over Wilmer Defoe, regardless of the defensive questions. It's hard to get worse. Because you're kind of picking your poison. You know, Defoe's maybe more solid defensively, but he can't hit. And you're going to have to choose. Would you rather have a guy who can field but not hit or a guy you can hit but not field as well? Right. And obviously the service time stuff is playing into uh, why they haven't called up Keyboom yet. Right. Makes me crazy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, give the Mets credit. They uh, they went with what they felt was their best 25 and ignored some service time stuff, as did the, the Padres. So, it's working uh, out pretty uh, pretty yeah. well for them. So, Absolutely. Yep. I think the Nats are probably under more pressure than almost any team in baseball this year. They have to prove that the hi- hiring of Davey was a mistake. They can win without Bryce Harper. Do you think that they can afford to call it key boom and have three projects in the field at shortstop center field at two premium positions and Soto who's still not that good defensively, but it's left field. So it's all right. Do you think they can afford to have that many projects in such an important season? You raise a very good point. I mean, it's a valid, uh, it's great a valid question. Right. question. I'm, not sure I have the, I'm not <laughs> sure I have the answer to that, but uh, you know, Hey, 
I don't I don't know of many teams that ever won their division or won the World Series without taking some risks over the course of the season. And right. when you're in arguably the best division in baseball, I think it's the most talented. We'll see if it's the best. But uh, when you're in that kind of a division, I think you have to take some chances, especially when you you lose the guy who's probably your offensive catalyst this year in Trey Turner. So right. I, I would err on the side of calling him up and uh, living with whatever happens. Agreed. And I think that uh, from right. the fan perspective, too, that it's going to be a lot more palatable for this fan base to say, hey, we had some key injuries. Harbor didn't come back. We pulled up our best guys and we had it. At least it was fun and exciting. And we got to see the young guys play rather than we played it safe and we left them down there to keep their service time ready for another year and we didn't win the division and didn't make the playoffs because we were wanting to play a boring brand of baseball. And I don't think that's going to go over very well with this, this fan, this fan base at all. Right. 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 As much as I, I loathe the Atlanta Braves, um, <laughs> they, uh, Hey, give them credit. They let the young guys play last year and they stumbled into a division title. So yeah, uh, that's a, that's that a, great a great way point. To it. They just, <laughs> it, it was kind of just handed to them. Um, <laughs> So well, Tom, give him credit too. Give him yeah, a little bit of credit. Uh, it's, it's hard it, for me to give yeah. Atlanta any credit for anything, but I think we have. Yeah. To. yeah. <laughs> okay. Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question that every Nats fan is dreading and doesn't want to hear, but I'm gonna take it upon myself to ask it. So, as Ryan said, this is a very important season. We know Trey's out. And Ryan brought up a, a stat last episode saying the Nats have never made the playoffs with a losing record in April. So if we come to that, if there's a losing record in April, and let's say even by June, June, July, we're 500 or even below 500, do the Nats become sellers at the deadline, and could we see Rendon traded? Yeah, that is hard to think about. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, getting that extension done should have happened already with Rendon. Agreed. Do you know and, who his uh, agent is? <laughs> every day we go by without Rendon signing an extension it becomes more and more of a dangerous situation for the Nats so if that hasn't happened by the deadline and uh you know the Nats are struggling I think you know there is a world where you could imagine Davey Martinez fired and Anthony Rendon traded but, uh, I don't want to hey, live in that world, uh, Tom. I don't either. <laughs> well, I'll take one of those. Yeah. If it means we lose, if firing Davey means we lose Rendon, I would keep Davey and keep Rendon if I had to choose that. So. I'm Fair. with you on that one. Fair. I'm yeah. with you on so, that one. <laughs> on the flip side, like with Trey going down, wouldn't you think that's even more of a motivator to go sign maybe Craig Kimbrell? That was my next question too, Nick. And that's where I was going next. You just tweeted something, Tom, about, I guess a couple of days ago about it was time for them to go get him now. And we've been yep. beating this drum on the pod for weeks, but uh, since I like first, episode, right. exactly. Sure. And so my question though is, do you think that they will? And if they don't, what, what do you think they will do to shore up this bullpen? Because it's clearly not good enough to compete in, in a very good NL East. Right. I, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, and what's scary about it is not just if we don't sign Kimbrell, where is he most likely to end up? And I still think it's the dreaded Atlanta Braves and you do not want that to happen. Or the Phillies and you don't want yeah. that to yeah, happen. Or the Phillies who, Even the, the Mets Phillies, are inquiring now. So Yeah, the Phillies and, and 
you know, I think the Phillies would be more likely than the Mets because they their bullpens look pretty solid so far in the Mets. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, getting back to the question, uh, yes, I absolutely think they should sign him. I think they should have signed him already. The problem is I think uh, the learners really don't want to go over that luxury tax. Which and, they're going to do anyways, which th- is pretty funny. Right. <laughs> Yes, so right, much work to try to not go over it. And when their their bullpen is trash <laughs> at the trade deadline, they're going to go get people anyway, and we're going to go over, and Kimbrell will be somewhere right. else by then. I agree. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, obviously, it's not a coincidence that none of the other 29 teams have, have bit on Kimbrell. The demands are obviously high. And, you know, salary-wise, I also think the whole collusion argument uh, has some validity there, too, especially when you look at, Dallas Keuchel still being unemployed so you know Mm -hmm. the frustrating part is I believe it was Keith Law a few weeks ago tweeted that this was pretty far along that the Nats and Kimbrell were in serious discussions and it looked like there was a good chance of this happening but since then we really haven't gotten much in terms of information about what happened with the Nats or what's going on with other teams it's one of the stranger situations I've ever seen free agent wise but man imagine Kimbrell in that bullpen and the main reason it would be so great for this team as I'm sure you guys have talked about is it frees up Doolittle. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. Robinson Cano and Freddie yes. Freeman. When you talk about guys who can get lefties out, I mean, it sure would be nice to be able to use Doolittle in other situations sometimes and know that you've got a good ninth inning option if you have to do that. Absolutely. Then Grace kind of becomes the long man. Sip is still, you know, a situational guy. And then I don't think there's many other lefties other than, you know, Andrew Miller and Josh Hader that would do that role much better than Sean Doolittle would. And he's also expressed, I believe he's also expressed an openness to doing that. Doolittle. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. He's an he, ultimate team. He player. begged them to yeah. sign him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we got yeah, the that report say that a uh, lot right there. If your all-star closer is begging you to go sign <laughs> yeah. another closer, that's like, listen, I can't pitch point. the sixth through the ninth innings every day. You've got to go get somebody else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. We got the report that it was several players, Davey and Rizzo, all begging ownership to go sign Kimbrell and the ownership won't budge. Yeah. That's hard wow. to take. And the sad part is, if we don't do it, someone will. The Cubs are exactly the Braves, the Brewers, teams actually want to win, like you said. Yeah, and and that to me is the biggest motivator. Thinking that he could end up on a division rival, which you know would really. Well, I wish it were the biggest motivator for the learners. (laughs) Clearly, you would. Yeah, you would think it would be the same case with Bryce. Like the the writing to Bryce to Philly was on the wall forever, but that wasn't a big enough motivator for, for them to go after Bryce either. So, yep. In their defense on that one, um, oh, don't defend ownership in front had... of Nick. Yeah, <laughs> well, let me put it this way. At least we had a Juan Soto to fall back on. And Inter- this interview is going to take a turn. <laughs> right. But uh, in this case, when your bullpen is, is pretty bad outside of uh, Doolittle, then uh, I don't think there's really any, any excuse, excuse for not right. doing it. Yep. Right. And that's, that was my next question. So we've kind of gotten uh, for seems like years now, ever since we really signed Max Scherzer, that we've gotten the Nats are going all in. And like, that's kind of been their, their approach at the deadline in the offseason, signing Corbin, obviously, and then making 
the most moves of any team this offseason. We signed seven key guys this offseason. So they're going all in, but how can you go all in if you don't go after a Bryce Harper or if you don't sign a Craig Kimbrell who's still on the market? Yeah, good good point. Um, I really liked the offseason we had other than uh, the failure to sign Kimbrell and, of course, the, the way it shook out with Harper. I, right. I personally was ready – for him to leave, I had, was at peace with it. But the one scenario that I felt like the learners couldn't let happen was him going inside the division. And of course it happened. Yep. Um, so that was really frustrating, but otherwise, I mean, you look at this roster and what Mike Rizzo was able to do. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think Mike Rizzo, if he were on the phone with us and not accountable to ownership, he would say, you know, hey, I want Kimbrell badly. I would sign him tomorrow if I could um, mm-hmm. I'll sign him right now. But, um, you know, the bottom line is uh, there's a threshold that, for whatever reason, the ownership just doesn't want to cross. Yep. It will never make sense It will never to make sense to yeah. me either, but I guess it's not our money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this isn't unique to the Nationals, obviously. I mean, if, if you looked at uh, the Braves, who spent a lot less than we did in the offseason, and they obviously love Craig Kimbrell, Braves fans, and they're going crazy about the lack of spending of their ownership. So at least we're not in that situation where we did virtually nothing this all, like imagine if the Nats had just signed Brian Dozier and done nothing else. That's basically what <laughs> the Braves did with Josh Donaldson, except they paid him seventeen million more than we paid Dozier. I think that's the right number. So at least we did. Something yeah, and they did make a lot of good offseason moves. I guess what gets me is that if you look from a straight up payroll perspective, the Nats spend a lot of money, and people will say that. Well, look at how much they're spending on the payroll, and that's true. They're right up against the deadline, or not the. Uh, the it's not a cap. Right up against the luxury tax, but so much of that. That is in the starting rotation. And that's great. I love that we have such a good starting rotation. But if you're only willing to spend up to the tax, then I feel like you should have maybe spread it out into the bullpen more than they did. So if they're going to go after all these great starting pitchers and pay them a bunch of money, that's great. But they still need to understand that you can't just do that and let the rest of the team you know, let the rest of the team languish because it doesn't matter how good your starter is. If your bullpen gives up three to five runs every game, you're not going to win. Right, especially in this era. If we were talking 30 years ago and the Nats had this kind of rotation, uh, look out. But, you know, it's a different game today. Starters mm-hmm. are only going five-plus, six-plus innings. And the bullpen is, is crucially important. And uh, just to add on to what you were saying, Amanda, uh, the manager's office, that'd be another place to spread the wealth. But the <laughs> yes, and that doesn't even hit you at the luxury tax. So there's no, yeah, no exactly. excuse for that whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, it is very frustrating how they seem to really get it in terms of the importance of starting pitching and Mm -hmm. a good overall lineup. But when it comes to the bullpen and the manager, they're just, for whatever reason, very stingy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good way to put it. And look look what they did with Bud Black. They they lowballed him. He was the one that they wanted before Dusty. Yeah, that was then, yeah, it's not like yeah, he's doing he anything without him, right? It's, yeah. Well, wait. <laughs> Bud Black would have been a really good, you know, I, I would have preferred they just stay with Dusty for continuity and, again, because mm-hmm. of the results. But Bud Black would have been a really good manager for and this I think team, he'd still and that's be here. really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that's probably the larger point. He'd probably still be the manager, and you wouldn't have uh, this two-year new manager, two-year new manager that we've had for seems like and forever now. And I suspect now. we're about to have again. Yeah, I, I would I would expect the same. So that's my next question. So if Davey is gone, 
who's your candidate to replace him? Well, they, they have Jack McKeon in the front office. He's about 89 years old, so we might as well go with him. <laughs> if you could give us the magic of the 2003 Marlins, I don't care how old he is, put him in there. But, uh, but no, seriously, um, honestly, I haven't, I haven't even thought about it. Uh, I've, I've just been kind of focused on, on this team and Davey, and uh, I'll uh, study up on that and get back to you next time. But uh, I'm not really sure who they would turn to at this point. Um, you know, it, you know, I will say this, what the Mets did by bringing in Jim Riggleman as the bench coach, where they mm-hmm. kind of have it set up where number one, Riggleman's helping out, uh, managers had the same kind of struggles that Davey Martinez has had, but he's also the manager in waiting. If, uh, they do fire Mickey Calloway, <coughs> the Mets are disappointing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure I see that with the nationals. I don't think Chip Hale would be the guy. No, I don't think there. so. So, but uh, that's a really good question. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts. Well, he's Girardi's still out there talking. Yeah, about may I network, suggest right? Joe Girardi? <laughs> yeah, they they need to make Girardi things lives right. Down here, pretty close to me, actually. So, if I ever see him, I'll yeah, go go talk yeah. to him. You could go <laughs> ahead and make that happen for us, Tom. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. <laughs> Just tell him to forget about the insulting yeah. offer they made before he went to the Yankees and come back. Yeah. 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 Short term memory. Yeah. I forgot about that actually. (laughs) It's so just a long history of low balling managers. You got to love it. At least we're consistent. (laughs) Yeah. And ironically, we brought up Jim Riggleman who who literally quit in the middle of the season because he got low balls. And now he's sitting there with the Mets. So uh, that's too bad. (laughs) Just another person we let go to a division rival. Yeah. Seems to be a thing. All right. So the last question we'll ask, another hard-hitting one. Your best prediction, when did the Nets win their World Series? Well, you know, that's obviously none of us uh, have the answer to that one. Yeah, you do. That's why I asked. (laughs) (laughs) The frustrating part of it is if if they sign Craig Kimbrell today and Trey Turner's back, let's say, in a month and a half or so, I really think they could do it this year. And I'm not kidding about that. I really think the talent's there. Um, You know, the manager might prevent us from doing that, but uh, you know, listen, we have the type of young nucleus that other teams dream about with Soto Robles, Turner, Carter, Keyboom. We can lock up Rendon. And then, you know, I think we can count on Scherzer, Strasburg and Corbin being elite pitchers for at least the next couple of seasons. So if not this year, why not next year? Um, if if the right ownership is done, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's really on them. Do they want? And again, you could have the absolute best roster and still lose in the first round. Right, make that clear. Um, it's 2012, happened. 2014, yeah, et cetera. It, it's happened specifically to the national. And then uh, look uh, at who lost in the first round. Some teams were teams on paper going into the postseason. I believe the the 2011 or 2010 Phillies, I believe, are the team I'm thinking of, where Halliday threw the no-hitter in the, the first playoff game. But anyway, you know, they can mm-hmm. do it this year or next year if the right decisions are made. And that's the part that I think frustrates all of us and many Nats fans listening to this. For sure. For sure. Well, I lied. I want to know another question. <laughs> who do you have? Who do you have winning the World Series right now? Well, right now, um, I, I still think the Houston Astros, even with uh, some of their um, rotation injuries and colors and whatnot, 
you know, again, mm-hmm. I, that's the team I get to see um, the most other than the Nats down here in spring training. And, uh, man, they, they have a great lineup. They have a, an excellent bullpen. They're really – they do all the little things the way I wish the Nats did them. And uh, I, I said Houston before the season, and I think I'm going to stick with that right now, especially with the Red Sox and the Yankees struggling. But uh, my dream right. world series would be, you know, Nats, Astros, and then maybe the teams could agree to just play the games at their uh, spring training facility. So I think that's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they'll do that just for you. Yeah, it, it's crazy you mentioned the Astros. I mean, they lost – Morton Keichel to free agency. They lost McCullers injury, and it still seems like they have a good rotation. Yeah, they they do. Yeah. And what a concept! Yeah, I know. Seriously, and you still may see Keichel end up back there, especially since That's no true. one else has picked him up at this point. But um, you know, they're they're a heck of a team. There's a but there's a lot of good teams out there. Look at Milwaukee. Now add Craig Kimbrell to their bullpen, and is anyone beating <laughs> the National God, League? Hader and Kimbrell in the bullpen? Right. No, thank you. you no, even Jeffress, too. Yeah. yeah, they lost Knebel, but, man, replace him with Kimbrell and uh, look out, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's for a sure. game changer for sure. Well, I don't have another question for you, Tom, but before we let you go, I just wanted to uh, mention for our listeners, in case they don't know or don't follow you on Twitter, about all the work you do with military journalism. I think it's awesome on your Twitter feed how often you honor – uh, veterans, especially veterans who've uh, made the ultimate sacrifice. I'm an Army veteran myself, and I so appreciate people who go out of their way to make sure that they do that. So I just wanted to thank you for that before we ended thank the interview. Thank you, Amanda, for your service to our country. I wasn't aware you're a veteran, and I really appreciate everything you and your family have done for our country. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much, Tom Saleo, for joining us. We hope to have you back in the future. And until then, uh, the Nats need to go sign Kimber. Absolutely. <laughs> and to end yes. on a positive note, 14 years ago today was the first win in Washington Nationals history. So let's get another oh, win. Oh, look at that. Let's get go another Nats. couple of wins this weekend, just like uh, Brad Wilkerson did that day by hitting for the cycle. So, <laughs> Yeah, what a guy. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Tom. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Go Nats. Go Go Nats. Okay. So we want to thank Tom very much for joining us. Um, You can find him on Twitter at TSaleo, S-I-L-E-O. So you guys should check him out. And uh, we are also wanting to remind you before we move on to – talk about Trey Turner's injury that we are doing this podcast for the DMV sports network. And that is one of the biggest sports networks in the district. There are nine podcasts now that you can listen to about all the local teams. Um, Ours about the Nats, of course, caps, wizards, uh, Ravens, anything you can, anything you can think of. So you can get all of that there at the DMV sports network.com, or you can check them out on Twitter at DMV underscore SN. Well, but so, before we move on, I just wanted to say that Tom was a great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We definitely enjoyed it. Um, you should definitely go check out. He has some articles that he posted on district on deck that will uh, be promoting from the half street high heat Twitter account. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that, that interview and I, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was I a hope great he interview comes back for in the sure. future. Cause, uh, no, that was a great interview, and he had a lot of great insight. Plus, every two seconds, like, he just, like, boasted about being in Florida for spring training. And so it's just, like, <laughs> it's nice to get a dish back yes. what I normally dish out. But, yeah. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yep. Somebody has to do it. 
somebody has to do it. All right. So now let's talk about something nobody really wants to even think about, which is Trey Turner is gone for an extended length of time. Yeah. Um, so we talk about the little things a lot, and Trey Turner doesn't do a little thing right, and he grips the bat wrong on yep. his bunning, and his finger shattered. Yeah, and I don't know that we've heard shattered or if it's just oh, I'm a, saying a, shattered. a fracture. Oh, okay. I don't know. Just, you're just – because hyperbole is Damn right. We're going we're gonna to go with I mean, it almost fell off. So anyway, whatever it is, it's broken. Yeah, they call I mean, him – it was practical. I saw yeah, it on the ground next to him. <laughs> we'll call him Trey Four Fingers instead of like. Just stole my joke. Anyway, <laughs> oh, got to be quicker on. No, the drop. I said I it first. Got to be quick. <laughs> I reset it in a different way. I was trying to make a Tony Fourbacks joke. Oh, it didn't really man, work. No, it did not. Anyway, Boo. no. Anyway, we're just gonna move on. I'm gonna edit <laughs> edit in some booze so, from the Nats Park in that segment right there. <laughs> <laughs> we should just have those yeah, available just like a nice for sound various clip. times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what does this loss so, mean for the lineup? I will point out that the Nats are two and one without them and they were two and three with them. So how how valuable is it really? <laughs> hmm? Hmm? really? Small sample um, size, no, be damned. It's yeah, uh, Trey Trey is arguably the team's best player. I mean, Anthony Radone up there, obviously, but I do think Trey is the more important player just because of what he brings on the bases, shortstop with his bat and everything in the offense. And losing that sucks. Now you turn and be replacing it oh with Defoe. <laughs> Not a replacement. Hard to take. No, and like we're gonna go back yeah. to the goldfish yeah. analogy again. I mean, you're <laughs> you, for like the first five games of the season, the nine-one-two was proving to be great and was proving to be very, very good. And then, boom, he breaks his finger, that's gone. And now you just have Eaton and then Dozier, who's just been dead. And then they threw Howie Kendrick in there today. Who was better than Dozier. Now he's equal to Dozier through uh, how many games Dozier played for. Yeah, except that he's only played in one game. so. So, yeah, I mean, we've said this a bunch, but it just still reigns true. The Nats have never made the playoffs with a losing record in April. So, at this pace, they're really... Yeah, April's they're really young, pushing that, that bar. Um, he's out for, what, six weeks? So it's... Well, it, it I varies. think that's what they're saying, but an injury like yeah, that is so hard to it say. might be longer. Maybe we catch a break and it's shorter, uh, pun intended. Um, but, <laughs> I don't know. It, obviously, it sucks. Like Brian said, he's already our best player. And, I mean, Rendon's on fire right now, which is great. Um, it, it definitely lessens the blow. But... That, that it's it's not. But it makes you think right. about what could have been if, if that he and gone it's down just and not sustainable. Like ideas. Rendon's not going to hit 444 with a 1400 OPS for the rest of the season. It just yeah. I, would I mean, him to do that, actually. yeah, it would be great, but it's that. just not sustainable. Um, if if he can no, do it's certainly this not for two three weeks, then yeah, we'll we'll probably be okay. Um, thankfully, Trey's not out for like the whole season. But it it sucks. It, it really does suck, especially with, with the state of our bullpen. It does. Like this was not. And it's just like last year. Happen. He was he was really starting to heat up, and it was two years ago when he hurt himself on it. Yeah, hit by pitch, and you know that he went down right when he was really on fire, and it, it was such a blow. And the fact that they haven't called up Keyboom just makes me enraged. Well, 
that they're they're playing service. Yeah, I mean, costume. look at the look at the uh, the Mets. I mean, they like uh, Tom Saleo said in the interview, like the Mets put out their best twenty five, and Pete Alonso is having a great start of the season. And from all accounts, Carter Keboom, I mean, again, like Tom said, had two home runs off Justin Verlander in spring training. Like he looks like he's ready, a lot like Robles to face major league pitching and you kind of just deal with the growing pains defensively. Not that anyone we have defensively is that great, but I mean, you kind of just deal with it, but they're playing the service time game and it's hurting them. It's quite literally hurting them and costing them games. Well, so yeah, because yeah, Defoe and as R- not- when Rizzo was asked about, he said, Cardi Cuban's not ready to play shortstop every day. So they think he's ready to hit. They just don't know if he's ready to play shortstop. And shortstop is such an important position that I don't know where they can just throw him out and not have someone solid there because they already ranked 27th in park range factor defense, which basically just takes all the balls that are put in play that should be made, and they're not. So they're already playing terrible defense, and it's like, can you throw some 20-year-old kid out there who you don't really know about at a very, very important position? You know, that's a good point, but I would say with their bullpen in a shambles the way it is that Mm -hmm. you need offense. You need to be able to put up enough runs that your bullpen can't blow the game for you. And if you have to choose between shaky defense and, you know, somebody who can't hit, I would take shaky defense. Right. And if you look at the big three, we've talked about this when we were talking about the addition of Corbin, like Max Strauss and Corbin are all strikeout pitchers. It's not like they rely extra yeah on on a a lot lot of ground ground balls balls or balls in play like they're strikeout pitchers so you can kind of play with a a not as good defense if it means bolstering that lineup which you badly need right now with Trey out and if you can get a a nicer cushion while your starters in the game then obviously your bullpen has a bigger cushion when they come in and try to blow the game so right you all say (laughs) that now until Trevor Rose all gets a nice short ground ball to shortstop and Carter Keboom boots it, and then Trevor Rosloff still has gotten an out twelve appearances into a season. Well, at, at that point, I mean, you wow. can you can make defensive subs like when Michael <laughs> a, when no in all seriousness, like we we joke about Michael A. Taylor all the time, but he's going to be a defensive replacement frequently when he comes yeah, back. They, like he I, he won't yeah. start over Oblis, but he will always be a defensive sub, like no matter what. And if Rosenthal is pitching in a 12th appearance this year, then the season's probably over. See, with Rosenthal, I think he's confused. Like, I think the time off just, like, warped his brain. He thinks an infinite, like, ERA is good. Like, that's what you want. Like, he thinks his ERA is just better than everyone else. It's, like, backwards. Does anybody else have Buzz Lightyear going in their head? just Buzz, Buzz, Buzz. Just me. Uh, To infinity and beyond. Okay. Sorry, I have little. I need a cricket Uh, sound. Toy Story was my childhood, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah, my kids love that movie. All right, so let's move on and talk about some Twitter questions. This one is at Fun Bryce Harper, which seems like maybe you need a Twitter (laughs) handle. Um, Is a Pop Tart a breakfast ravioli? Which is apropos of absolutely nothing, Uh, but an interesting question. In the debate, in cereal, sorry, chili is a soup, and Pop Tarts are breakfast raviolis. Yes. Is a hot dog a sandwich? You're wrong. Chili is a soup. <laughs> Don't you mean cereal is a soup? Chili and cereal are a soup. Sorry, yeah. Cereal is a soup. Chili is a salad. There we go. How is chili a salad? Wait, chili is salad. What? Salad is a combination of ingredients in a bowl. What is chili? It's, 
You can lawyer. say anything. That, lawyer. A, not I, every single one so you just studied. So therefore, Kate, I won. No, no, Kate's the salad. <laughs> Among the absurd things that you've said, that wins all of them. That's the. You guys, you guys still can't get thought out. I won. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you said so much. I think rendered speechless is not the same thing. Okay. Breakfast all right. Ravioli. At the Phil Kearns. Is this team good if they fix the bullpen? They're scoring runs, a good amount of them, but it's still not enough because of the pen. So if they fix the pen, is well, this team good? They're seven and two with a good bullpen, um, or six and three. Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah. No, sorry. My mask off. Six and two. I apologize. I don't think this roster is that good, but with a good bullpen, they would probably win enough because of their rotation. I mean, the larger point is we'll never know because we'll yeah. never have a good bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's yep. looking at the bright side. I'm I Mr. Bright Side. I would say if miraculously this bullpen – wow, and you make fun of my jokes and you just did that. That's cool. <laughs> Man, that all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Cool. All right. Oh, that was good. <laughs> so I think if they fix the bullpen somehow magically it gets it gets to be a decent bullpen. I do think this team's good. Their lineup's not as good as some of the others in the division particularly the Phillies, but their starting pitching is better than anybody's. And if their bullpen can hold leads, then, you know, if the, I think the offense can put up enough runs to win a lot of games because the big three pitchers we just talked about are, are the top of our rotation is, is really, really good and can win us a lot of games. So maybe is the, uh, the short answer, Phil. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I don't think that's it, but obviously that's the huge problem right now. So we'll see. No, actually we won't see, but, Good question, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At BG1 United says, what satanic ritual do we have to perform in order God, for the bullpen Forgive to me, be Lord, for reading that. <laughs> wow. Um, human sacrifice. If you're not doing human sacrifice, what are you doing? Uh, all right, Trevor Rosenthal. <laughs> Take one oh. for the team. Wow. Okay. 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 They wouldn't have a lamb. <laughs> that might be a bit much. I would like him to go to Fresno, but that might be a bit. I mean, Fresno is a lot worse to wish on someone. Yeah, I mean, that's basically like (laughs) sacrificing him, anyways. (laughs) All right, well then, maybe that will do it. Maybe that will do it. Okay, and our worst tweet. My boy, coming from Jim underscore Fitz twenty seven. He says, "Defoe is a great player to have on the bench." Any team could, yeah. (laughs) Any team could use a guy like Defoe, and I'm happy we have him. Period. Can't replace <laughs> if there's an injury. Random quotation mark. And then, oh, sorry, that was me. And then, <laughs> and then he proceeded to call him. Wait, Excuse what? Ryan he dropped proceeded... his <laughs> <laughs> We are on fire tonight. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, sorry to all you people who are listening to this. We're dropped my phone. The, the tweet was just so bad that Ryan like couldn't. Like take it seriously and drop his phone. I fainted. Yeah. In my head. Um, <laughs> this guy proceeded to call Wilmer Defoe dad. If you're calling Wilmer Defoe dad, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but it's wrong, and you need to sit down and look in the mirror. Yeah, and that's just like as weird as calling people king yeah. all the time. Yeah. What clown? Like, what king. clown does king. that? It's so weird. Seriously. Who does that? If you think anyone's a king or a dad, you got some serious issues, buddy. You're that's so, what I'm saying. You're so that's right, my That's what king. I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that seems like a perfect ending to this episode, actually. So thank you all for listening, as always. Um, that'll do it for us for this episode. Please, um, if you like the show, subscribe, leave us reviews. We really appreciate it. Um, again, I'm Amanda. You can find me on Twitter at 
a one hey, you got seven, it right seven, this week. seven. You can. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look at that. I always <laughs> screw up my own Twitter handle. It's pretty bad, actually. And uh, you can find Nick and Ryan at DC Nat Chat. You can find the show at Half Street High Heat. And you can find the DMV Sports Network at DMV underscore SN. And uh, thanks. We'll talk to you guys next Later, week. Guys. Go Nats. See ya. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.